0: Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Dreams, and today I'm talking to James Ruth. He's the Senior Director at Major League Soccer, or MLS. James, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me, Mitch. Really appreciate it.
0: So we're talking to James because they've recently released the EMLS Cup and the new schedule, and I want to talk to him about the MLS's relationship with esports and why they've jumped in full force behind esports and FIFA in general. And we're going to talk a little bit about why FIFA is the most watched and most played sports simulation and what it has that differs from some of the other sports sim games out there. But first, I wanted to provide some context on the MLS. I was recently traveling abroad and I was really surprised by when I told people that soccer was my second favorite sport behind basketball. People apparently think Americans don't watch soccer at all, and while it isn't as popular in America as it is in the rest of the sport. Uh, You gave me some stats a few years back for an article, and you said that MLS, we have the youngest fan base in American sports. So I'm curious right now, how do you describe the MLS demographic? Do you still have the youngest fan base in American sports? That means most popular among young people, uh, or it skews the youngest, I guess I should say, is is what that stat means. So where where are the stats right now? What is viewership like and how popular is America, especially among young, or how popular is uh, soccer in America, especially among, among young people?
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. I mean, the sport continues to grow. Uh, and I think anybody that is, you know, a, an avid soccer fan, a casual soccer fan, or somebody just that knows about soccer just as a general sports fan, the growth of the sport's undeniable. Uh, and I think what has made MLS unique as a league, uh, is our fans and how our fans engage with the sport. And a big component of that is that we have the youngest skewing fan base in, in North American sports. We over-index for uh, millennials and, and all that sort of stuff. And it's helped create an identity for MLS that is really quite different than uh, not only all the other North American sports leagues, but MLS is, is a little bit different as it relates to just kind of global soccer. And that's something that we we have a lot of pride in uh, because as it relates to major league soccer and our position in North America, we are the up and coming sport. Uh, And I think any league, any soccer league globally would be envious to, to have that position to be an up and coming and emerging sport where the growth of the sport is our biggest opportunity right now. It's not really about maintenance. It's, it's all focused on growth. Uh, And the last couple of years have highlighted that growth. And it's been really exciting to see. I've been at the league for about six years now. Uh, and the shift that we have seen in the past six years and really you know, focused on the last three years uh, has been phenomenal. Uh, and I think the expansion of the league is key to that. But we continue to, to create a, a better quality product on the field and really produce something that is quite different, like I said, than, than anything that other North American sports leagues are doing. Uh, And that extends to the traditional pitch in terms of what we produce on the field, but it also extends to all the other things that we're doing, uh, you know, like EMLS, which is a great example in terms of how we're looking at sports differently to help support uh, the larger soccer fan base in North America.
0: Yeah, you're hyper identifying with that millennial generation, which means naturally to be involved with esports. And you mentioned expansion. You're very popular in my households right now. In fact, all of them, because the MLS is expanding to Austin, Sacramento, and St. Louis. Austin's where my best friend lives. Sacramento's where my girlfriend's from. And St. Louis is where my dad's from. So you actually hit three cities all very close to my heart for new expansion franchises.
1: Well, that's amazing. Is confirmed? My wife is from Sacramento, so we... <laughs> is,
0: is that confirmed?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Just, just checking, just yeah. checking. So, yeah, very popular. A lot of, a lot of new MLS fans yeah. in, in, around my life right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really one of the most exciting components of the league right now. And, and you think about the marketplaces that we're jumping into. Sacramento is an up and coming city. Um, it's very young. It's got a team that you know has existed within USL for uh, the better part of the decade. Has had you know posted pretty consistently um record attendance for that team and to have them push up and come into MLS is going to be really, really exciting. Uh they really kind of focus and, and follow their their soccer team. Uh and then- imagine
0: something similar to Portland in yeah. that you have one basketball team is the only sports team there, and that's my hometown. And when Portland got the Portland Timbers, yeah. they jumped in full force. I could definitely see something similar uh, like that happening in Sacramento as well,
1: one hundred percent. And I think you you have that in Spades in Austin, right? There's no professional sports teams in Austin, right. but I think the the biggest commonality with the markets that have been particularly successful are not only that they you know that the landscape in terms of competing sports is is one way or another, but it's really more about having that younger demographic of fans that can um, jump on to a new club. We saw that at Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta, you've got a ton of different teams from different leagues, but what Atlanta United has done in terms of consistently filling up Mercedes-Benz Stadium, really really impressive stuff, and I think that has a lot to do with kind of the young nature of that city.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree. It just shows that the MLS is in a great place, especially among young people. People love to go to MLS games. So, moving over to eMLS, let's move yep. over to the digital side. I'm going to run through the format of the league real quick so you don't have to. Uh, 2020 EMLS season features 25 EMLS players. They each represent different MLS clubs. Just a couple holdouts there. Who, who are you still missing?
1: Uh, well, we're, we're working with Inter Miami. Uh, they are going to be joining the traditional league uh, next year, uh, and they've already committed to joining EMLS in the following year. So uh, they're okay. committed and, and they're on board. And then the other team that we continue to work with is Real Salt Lake. Uh, they're super interested in this oh. space. Uh, for them, it's about you know how do they make the right approach and, and enter at the right time. Um, but they continue to be super super positive and, and bullish on esports, which is great to hear.
0: That's cool. Yeah, it's good to be cautious as you enter these leagues and do your research. So I don't knock anybody for that. Let's not focus on the people that aren't because you did get. <laughs> The vast majority of the league it's yeah. interesting with the american sports leagues though there seems to be a couple holdouts in each of the different initiatives but um, yeah i think just doing research it's a new space if the yeah. people in the front office aren't familiar with it it's actually good to do the research before you enter and you might be able to make a better entrance and build more fans immediately
1: 100 percent. and i think the biggest thing for us is there's no mandate for mls clubs as it relates to emls this is totally of their own volition so to have now 25 of 27 clubs in uh, speaks volume to you know what our clubs believe in esports and the opportunity that they see in it, um, which is really, really encouraging to see. It would be another thing if we said, hey, every club just has to go and do this. And I think we might have a lot of clubs not approaching it for the right reasons, which is ultimately another opportunity to engage fans and create cool, interesting, and compelling content.
0: That's an important clarification because it does feel like sometimes it's a little mandated. It's like, oh, this is now part of what you have to do. But actually getting them all to buy in is really important to building and cultivating that fan base.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So
0: looking at the season, you're beginning in January 2020 with the EMS League Series that's presented by PlayStation. There's two majors in the lead up to the EMS Cup. These League Series tournaments, they're going to be live streamed. They have their own trophies. They have their own prizes. And during these tournaments, EMLS players will accumulate points to determine seating for the EMLS Cup, and that happens in March. So first tournament, League Series 1, held in Philadelphia, conjunction with the Philadelphia Union. League Series 2, held in Portland, love it, with the Portland Timbers. So I actually wanted to talk to you about that. I believe that is the first time an esports event has ever come to my hometown. I'm very excited about it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's great. We couldn't be more excited about partnering with the Timbers uh, on EMLS League Series 2. Um, just for perspective, they've been one of the most progressive clubs as it relates to esports. They've been really, really bullish on the space. And we were so excited to bring an event to Portland. One, because it just hadn't seemed like there was much from an esports events perspective in that marketplace. But as you know, I mean, the Portland Timbers fan base is something else. And to get them included and featured in one of our events, we're really excited to see that happen.
0: Yeah, if you could get their support behind the, the EMLS yeah. players, that's uh, that's the most rabid fans in Portland. That's uh, the correct. most rabid fans in Oregon that I've ever seen. I went to the University of Oregon. Uh, so it's that's really cool. Where How is that event going to be held? How do you work with these different places? Portland Timbers have... Probably never thrown an esports event before, so how are you working with places like that to help make sure the production quality is up to MLS standards?
1: Yep. So we we manage the production. The partnership with the club is really about how we make the the event and the experience relevant to the Portland marketplace, and really, you know, literally and figuratively color uh, that MLS event in in green and gold. So it feels like a a Portland Timbers oriented event. So that's going to come down to the look and the feel. And you probably saw that in some of the brand elements for, for league series, but more importantly, all the programming elements that we do around the actual competition itself. So Timbers, Timber Joey is going to be showing up, right? There may be a a log that's axed at some point in the broadcast all that sort of stuff. And it, it goes to the goal of this league series event where we want to make it hyper relevant to the community that we're celebrating, because ultimately we want to come in and celebrate eSports, whether it's in Portland or Philadelphia, or like what we did last year with the LA Galaxy in LA and FC Dallas in Dallas. And we see it as an awesome opportunity to make our events unique and really speak to the fan base that we're looking to to entertain alongside uh, everybody that's tuning in to the broadcast.
0: That's really cool. I'm excited to see how my city rallies around esports. I'm definitely gonna have to do what I can to make the trip up. I'm down in Southern Oregon now, and it's the day after Valentine's Day, so I'm not <laughs> super sure how I'm gonna make that happen. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find a way. You might have to uh,
1: do some negotiation on that one for sure.
0: Or maybe a little bit. Like yeah. we'll, we'll Valentine's Day a few days early, you know. And if <laughs> Kate, okay, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm kidding, kind of. Uh, so anyways continuing on the schedule yeah uh concludes march 21st austin texas at south by southwest that's going to be a really really cool event first of all austin texas at awesome city is yep. an expansion city for the mls so the energy there is going to be really high and south by southwest is just a really really cool event what went into that decision to host at south by southwest why did you feel like that was a great place to end the season at
1: uh, it was a couple different things. I mean, EMLS Cup had been hosted at PAX East for the past two years, and we we really loved the partnership that we had created with the PAX team. Obviously, within the gaming landscape, PAX is, is a really unique event. Uh, and our ability, especially with our first couple of events, to come to the gaming community and celebrate EMLS with them was really important for us. As we look to kind of build new opportunities and invent EMLS Cup in new ways, South By continued to be something that was really interesting for us. Um, We see EMLS as an opportunity not only to live at the the intersection of gaming and soccer culture, but also kind of larger pop culture uh, and using gaming as an opportunity to bring different elements um, into the experience. And as we started to build that out in terms of what things could look like for year three, um, like I said, South By just continued to be really interested. uh, And we were interested in partnering with them. Um so we obviously announced the partnership with them alongside the announcement of the schedule and we couldn't be happier about coming down to Austin. Austin's an awesome city, but we also now have Austin FC uh involved as well and they've been very progressive in terms of how they're looking at esports and gaming as an opportunity to for them build their fan base because they actually aren't going to be starting on the traditional pitch until 2021. Even though they'll have a, a player and a, a, a competitor in EMLS this year, which I think is something really interesting, we're going to have that uh, is a, yeah representing Austin FC a full year before the team takes the traditional pitch.
0: <coughs> That's super interesting. It'll be it'll be cool if there's you know there's native people from Austin who are looking for a team and they're like okay, the one person we have to support wearing the Austin FC logo is. Whatever their their players, their player announced. I yeah. don't know his name, but no, no uh,
1: announcement. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it's going to be an interesting thing because he's going to technically, outside of the youth academy players that they have, uh, their first player announcement, which is kind of a wild thing to think about.
0: It's pretty wild. It's it's cool to see how that flips. I mean, you you're used to these esports parents being these small parts of established teams. So for yeah. it to be actually out in front is a is a unique situation.
1: Well, and that's one of the coolest things we've seen from our clubs is. Not only are they super excited about it, but their commitment to making EMLS and their EMLS players, part of how they run their club outright has been really, really impressive.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's, it, it's a big part of it and seeing how you care for the team. That's how you nurture success when the, some of the teams that not say that anybody who was unsuccessful, didn't care for their players. I'm more familiar with the NBA 2k league and actually want to ask you a little bit about structure there, but. You could tell just from rumors around the league that some teams cared about this and some teams didn't care about this as much. And the ones that did saw a lot of success in the league. So it really, you have to jump all in. You can't just hand a kid a controller and be like, all right, go lead us. You have to, as an organization, you have to support your player and boost them up, make them feel like they are really a part of this team. And then they end up performing really well.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. It's like anything, any project you take on, I mean, I think for us, we knew that the our fan base was so interested in gaming and so many signs were pointing to the fact that it made sense for us to continue our, our, our landscape in gaming that we went full bore when we had the opportunity to do so. And I think a lot of our clubs have done the same.
0: Certainly. So when you look at the tournament structure, you went with these different big event, big tournaments, and that's a debate in sort of esports in general is yeah. you have some esports that just do these big tournaments and they always draw a lot of viewers and then they fade away for a little while and then they come back with another big tournament. And then you have some more leagues going towards franchise play with these different league setups with normal schedules and standings like that. So why choose the league series? Why do you think that was the better format than maybe something like the NBA 2K league, which does head to head matches each week?
1: Well, I think the f- first thing is, you know, each league is going to determine the, the pathway that's best for them. Uh, and I, I, you know, The NBA 2K guys are putting a lot of work and thinking in terms of of how they structure the league and super confident that what they've put together is, is going to be successful. I think for us, we kind of looked at what some of the other soccer leagues were starting to do or think about within the esports space. And we we saw a lot of um, efforts to just replicate what happened in the traditional pitch. And for us, that kind of set up some flags to say, hmm, probably a little bit more thinking needs to go into how we're actually going to structure uh, our events. And I think we looked at how can we make, whether it's EMLS League Series or EMLS Cup, really break through and ultimately feel different and feel in line with kind of the unique esports experience that we can provide. And where we landed was the opportunity to really focus on um, these breakthrough events which we thought was an opportunity for us to say, hey, there are three points in the calendar. If you're a FIFA esports fan, you've got to tune in at these components rather than asking people to tune in week over week and all that sort of stuff. Because from our perspective, as we look at the competition schedule, it just didn't feel like doing a weekly regular season component was going to be the best way to create compelling content for fans.
0: I think that's a smart decision, especially in the early days. Like The franchise esports didn't start franchise, besides the Overwatch League. Uh, they they built there after a while, yeah. and they knew they had the viewership built up. You saw a little bit in the NBA 2K League. The most viewed game of the season before the playoffs is the first day. Yeah. And then it slowly wears on it, and it wears on the players as well. The people from Portland had to fly to New York every single weekend. By the end of the season, they were exhausted. Yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah. Uh, so it's... I think there's uh, two good formats. And for right now, for where uh, FIFA is and where EMLS is as as an organization, having just three big events. Hey, tune in on these three days in these three cities. It's easier to bring the viewers to it, you feel like. For sure. So I know you got to go real quick. Uh, I want to give you some closing words. Watch people tune in uh, January, February and March for the EMLS Cup.
1: Well, I think we've we've really built an interesting league uh, and something that looks and feels uh, a little bit different than what you might see in FIFA eSports globally or just eSports in general uh, and I, I'm really proud of what we've built in terms of EMLS being a true intersection of gaming and soccer culture so if you're a gaming fan an eSports fan it's something worth tuning into and maybe if you're a soccer fan that is more of a casual gamer but is interested in what's going on in the eSports space uh, EMLS is a really good position to provide a a compelling experience and something to either check out on site if you're going to be in, you know, Philadelphia, Portland, or Austin, or to tune into uh, and watch on, on live stream. So.
0: Absolutely. If you enjoy watching FIFA, watch the best players play. It's absolutely incredible. They're so, so good at FIFA. So if you play that game, watching them play is just always fun to do. Thank you so much, James. James Ruth, the senior director at Major League Soccer for the EMLS Cup. Take a break real quick, and I'll be back with more about FIFA as an eSport. Welcome back to this eSports Network podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Reams. As always, that was James Ruth. He's the Senior Director at Major League Soccer, and he's really doing a lot of work with EMLS and helping build out FIFA eSports and their partnership with Major League Soccer. So he's done. He had to run, but I wanted to hop on the mic and monologue for you all a little bit. So if you remember back to the early days of this podcast before, I'm sure many of you were ever listening, I used to do these like 30 minute monologues uh, where I'd just talk about an issue in eSports. One time I did the uh, the fall of Optic Gaming and just basically ran through the last year and a half of Optic Gaming and how it faded away. I moved towards more of an interview format, as you've seen with all the recent work on here. But we're bringing the monologue back for this one, because right in the very beginning, when I was still po- posting the esports minutes to this feed, I did a podcast called Why Sports Simulators Struggle as Esports. And I want to rehash that one for you now, because it's a really interesting topic. In about 2016 to 2017, all of the the major American sports leagues Bought into their respective esports. The NBA announced the NBA 2K League. Madden upped their initiatives and did the Madden Club Championship. NHL announced an initiative. They were the last ones to do it, but now they're in their second season of running NHL esports. And MLS, I guess actually MLB didn't do it. I don't know what is happening at MLB, but they do skew very old. It'd be like uh, the PGA. Having a Tiger Woods or a Rory McElroy golf tournament just doesn't feel like it fits their target audience. Anyways, the last one is MLS. And so I wanted to go into a little bit about how these esports have worked out. And it's not great, I'll be honest. Uh, If you told all the NBA teams that bought into the NBA 2K League what viewership is like two seasons in, they wouldn't have bought in. And I feel pretty confident saying that You know, you could say esports is a long-term game, viewership is going to grow, but it felt like the rush to get into esports happened a bit too quickly in a lot of cases. NBA 2K was not a very popular esport before the league, and just throwing NBA support behind it certainly built it up a little bit, but it didn't attract a bunch of people who had never watched NBA 2K in the past. The league's more built out. It gets way better coverage. You see things like Forbes covering it, but viewership is pretty bad. So if you want to look at viewership, I pulled up eSports charts and the entire season two of the NBA 2K League accounted for just over 1 million hours watched. Now that might sound like a lot, but here's a comparison point. On Twitch, in just October... FIFA had 23.5 million hours watched. So in the NBA 2K League, which ran from April until August, it had 1 million, just over, like 1.3. And in FIFA, which only had October, now we were using every single FIFA stream, so maybe that comparison isn't great, but if you want to just look at Twitch right now, see where FIFA ranks, see where NBA 2K ranks, And you can see that there's a pretty wide, wide gap. In fact, let me pull that up for you right now, and we'll just see off the cuff where those two games rank on Twitch right now. Alright, Twitch is open. It is Thursday, December 5th at 11.15am. This is an entirely random time to watch. Uh, Neither league is hosting any sort of formal event right now. The top game is Counter-Strike. With 174,000 viewers, League of Legends just chatting Fortnite, the normal games at the top. And you only have to scroll down one row to find FIFA 20. With 45,000 viewers, it is the 10th most viewed game on Twitch at this current moment. It's ahead of Minecraft. It's ahead of World of Warcraft. It's ahead of PUBG. So there's a good idea. It's pretty popular. You know, it's ahead of Overwatch. It's ahead of Apex Legends. FIFA is the most popular sports simulation game. And it's not close. Now it's going to take me a little while as I'm still scrolling. And I'm scrolling. And I'm scrolling. There's Poker. There's Red Dead Redemption 2. Still no 2K. No Madden. I'll look for all of them, actually. I'll look for NHL. I'll look for Madden. I'll look for NBA 2K. We're down to Euro Truck Simulator at 4.3 thousand viewers. Still no Madden or NBA 2K. See if Thieves. There's Madden. Madden at 3.5 thousand viewers. I lost count. It's like 40th, 35th. Subnautica. We're still going. There's ASMR. Warcraft Reforged, like the fourth Warcraft title I've seen. Still going. Battlefield 5. We are almost down below And th- Oh, there it is. NBA 2K20. 1.5 thousand viewers that's really bad I mean the games around here are not really eSports you've got random things like it's right next to it has the same amount of viewers as chess right now chess on twitch which is definitely not the main way people are watching chess so there's there's your comparison point it's way down the list like we're looking at like 60 65 at 1.5 thousand viewers So that's where viewership is and honestly the NBA 2K League hasn't really increased it a lot and you'll be hearing me talk and do a lot of comparisons to the NBA 2K League because the other league I'm the most familiar with. Uh, But Madden, you know, is a more popular esport. Madden's been around as an esport since like 2006-2007 with the Madden Bus Challenge. So when you have a game that's been around that long and it only is at 3.5 thousand viewers on Twitch, it says something to me, it's an issue. So now I'm going to go into the reasons. I think there's three main reasons why sports simulation games struggle as esports. And this was the whole title of my last one. I went way more in depth on that podcast. But if you listen to that, if you listen to podcast number eight, and here you are listening to podcast number 60, first of all, I appreciate you a lot. And second of all, you might have already heard all of this. So you may might not need to listen again, or you can just stay tuned because I might say something new. Who knows? Anyways, the three main reasons why sports simulation games struggle as esports. Number one, and the biggest one, is that there's a touchstone in the physical world. And you might think that's a benefit, but the thing that esports offer is something you can't get anywhere else. Uh, you can't watch two teams tactically shoot each other like CSGO. You can't watch a fantasy land. Uh, MOBA where you have to slay dragons and break down turrets like League of Legends. Uh you can't even watch Rocket League. You can't watch cars playing soccer flying off the wall. It's t- something entirely new. Well, the question that sports simulation games have to answer that no other esport has to is why should I watch this league instead of the actual physical counterpart? And honestly, very few of them have a great answer for that question. Uh the physical counterpart is absurdly popular. It's a great game. But the digital counterpart is just trying to be as close to that as possible, but it can never properly capture everything about that game. And even when it's the offseason, like the NBA 2K League runs in the offseason, but you still have the G League, you can still listen to NBA podcasts, you can watch League. you can watch old highlights, you can watch NBA Classic. Just because the games aren't happening right now doesn't necessarily mean if you're a total basketball junkie, that you're ever going to need to turn to NBA 2K to get your basketball fix. In which case, they need to get the people who play the game. That's always who drives esports viewership. There are no League of Legends viewers out there who have never played the game once. I mean, there probably are a couple, but it's such a hard game to understand that that's how esports viewerships work. They start with people who play the game. You get into the game a lot, you start playing a lot, you want to watch the best people do it. That's the average route of somebody to being an eSports viewer. But if sports simulation games never answer that question, they're always going to run into problems. And I think that's why FIFA is partially so successful. One part is soccer is just overwhelmingly the most popular sport in the world. There's no doubt about that. But basketball is growing quickly. And the discrepancy between FIFA viewers and NBA 2K viewers is not the same as just the difference between soccer and basketball. Uh, soccer has more of an audience, but basketball's still incredibly popular worldwide. And then you see things on Twitch like NBA Two K at 1.5 thousand and FIFA at 45. So it's like there's a difference in those two games, not just in the fan bases in general. And I think that difference comes down to how the games are played. FIFA is the closest thing to soccer as any other any other sports simulation game is to its physical counterpart. Soccer is such a fluid and quick game that FIFA, when playing FIFA, it actually does feel more like soccer. Obviously, you're only controlling one player on an 11-man pitch, but in terms of the team play, in terms of how you pass, how the ball moves through balls, are there glitches? Of course there are, but if you compare it to something like Madden, where it's almost entirely related on animations, or NBA 2K even, NBA 2K doesn't always feel like basketball. The strategies that are best in basketball aren't the best strategies in NBA 2K. And that's sort of the difference. So there's there's definitely differences in the game itself. But the second reason is something that every single sports simulation deals with and they can't get close enough to the actual sport. It's so hard to mimic physical reality. You can't smooth things over. You're playing with these human characters that are supposed to resemble real life human beings. That's really constraining in terms of a game design. Everything has to fit within the the real world. You know, you don't get to create maps, you're playing on a designated pitch. And so everything's forced into the physical mold, which allows, which has a problem for game developers is they have to try and replicate physical movement. It's never going to be easy for a game developer to replicate driving past an opponent or with a defender in or in basketball shadowing you and trying to drive past them and the contact you take at different points before getting your shot off. It's so complicated. There's so many small things that go into that. So games like NBA end up relying on animations. And these animations can pretty easily be exploited. This was a big problem in the first season of the NBA 2K League is you could tell... If you did a crossover in front of somebody, right when the thing finished, you could tell if you were going to get past the person or if they were going to block you. And so you had point guards just doing this crossover move in front of the front defender over and over until they got the animation they were looking for. And once you get that animation, somebody else cuts to the rim or everybody else moves based off of that. It's not a proper basketball experience. And so when you don't have that and you're already asking people to watch a digital version of a sport, it's a tough sell. And FIFA has the f- fewest reliance on animations of all the sports simulation games. I Probably NHL is close to that. These fluid games can make interactions between characters seem a lot better. Basketball is very, I'm at this side of the floor, I'm going against you head on. Football, very, very head on. Soccer, NHL are both more fluid games. I think that translates a lot better to a sports simulation title. But there's still plenty of cheese in both those games, too. Uh, Madden, here's one I want to talk about real quick, is the onside kick glitch. You can you can find ways to manipulate. People have been manipulating Madden for years. For years, even at the highest level. They're they're taking the best stats, the best people that can do something broken and go over the top of of a player and then just spamming like... Hail Marys or trips that was in old versions now you can't do that but the point is there's still ways to just cheese the game that there aren't in actual football which is part of the reason why people like football so much uh, even in FIFA for a while in a previous patch there was a way that you could do a kickoff and you pass to the exact right people from this one specific formation and it would almost always result in a really nice cross into the middle not a guaranteed goal but you could start the game and it was basically a guarantee you could get the ball down to the right uh, with your winger and then you'd have somebody in the middle who might be available for a header. So it's not a guaranteed goal, but hey, in soccer, you can start with the kickoff and be guaranteed a shot on goal or a nice look. You take that every single time. So that's one of the other issues with the sports simulation games is that they're always going to try and match a physical version because they have to. That's the nature of the game but those constraints that that puts on the game itself make them kind of tough esports, and it makes it hard to answer point number one. Why should we watch this over the physical counterpart when you're just trying to model and not ever going to be totally successful at this? You're just trying to model physical sports. It doesn't, doesn't add up a ton from the viewership perspective. Now, when I'm monologue, I tend to ramble a little bit, so bear with me here. But the final point is cost. And this is another huge one, is I think people would overlook some of those flaws about how the game isn't quite like it if it followed a model that really almost all of the successful esports follow, and that is free-to-play at start, bring people into the game. Fortnite, free-to-play. League of Legends, free-to-play. Hearthstone, free-to-play. Rocket League, like $10, $15 on Steam charts all the time. Uh, CSGO... I don't even know what CSGO costs. It's like $20 to $30. Overwatch was the only game that I can remember that was a major esport that started out with a $60 box price. But even then, it was only once you buy Overwatch and now they're releasing Overwatch 2. But people who only bought Overwatch 1 can still compete in the rank ladder and receive a lot of the things that they get in Overwatch 2. And Overwatch came out in 2016. Since that time, we have had a new four or five new titles for NBA, FIFA, Madden, NHL. That's a huge barrier to entry. That's $300 in the time that you could be playing Fortnite and have never spent a penny on the game. You could be one of the best players. Same with League of Legends. It's a grind. Yeah, you have to do some different things and they sell in-game cosmetics, but you could still become one of the best players in the game. It's not like completely unheard of. And that's one of the prohibitive factors here, is that you want people playing the game. Like we mentioned, you're not going to pull over sports fans, uh, who don't play these video games. And I haven't bought a sports simulation game in a while because you buy one, and then it becomes obsolete. You're basically playing, f- paying for a roster refresh. And in the day and age of free to play games, freemium models where you get cosmetics off of it, it feels antiquated. You know, I'll play sixty dollars for a big open world game a single world game uh red dead redemption for example uh spider-man god of war a game like that where it's a single player self-contained adventure with nothing else built in but the sports simulation games aren't that they are the same general game barely updated each year uh and they they have graphic changes they have new modes sometimes and the players update but In terms of the actual changes you get for $60, it's not a ton. And so you have this issue of how many people would own or would be playing FIFA all the time, but they're not because they can't afford it. That's a big problem because, again, the eSports viewers comes from the people who are playing the game. I used to love FIFA, but I don't play it anymore because I don't own it. I don't own FIFA 20. Uh, and I've played it at some friends' houses, and they are really good, and they are probably the people interested in watching FIFA esports. And I'll, I'll check it out for sure, but if you're not playing the game, it's really hard to convince people to be fans. And when your upfront cost is higher than basically any esport title out there, it's really a tough sell to bring over all the viewers necessary. And again, FIFA's doing pretty well for themselves. This doesn't apply as much to FIFA, but if the game was free and then they sold things like ultimate team packs and they sold and they could even block off some teams with currency and with an in-game currency. And so you either have to grind for it because if you give the game for free, people are willing to either grind for it or then pay. Okay. You can't get real until you do what's it's what in what game mode. Or some people are like, screw that. I'm going to pay $10 and I'm just going to unlock real. You know, and you can end up running a model like that that allows people to come in and then figure out how much of the game they want to buy. You don't need to play as Real to win games or to enjoy FIFA. You could play as some of the other teams. But would it be nice? Of course. And so that's the model that other esports use that's proven very successful. And it's uh, surprising to me that sports simulation games are not looking at it as much as they really should be, in my opinion. So now my final thing is I'm going to leave you on my golden ticket model for sports simulation games. Uh, The best way these games should work to not kill the stock of these games as investors pull out when they're like, you're what? You're offering the game for free that used to be $60 because those games still print money. They print money hand over fist, but if you want to be a successful eSport, well, that's where it's going to be a problem. So here's my model. You continue offering the game for $60. That's fine. But you offer a special deal, uh, a golden ticket, where it's a premium version of the game. It's $80. It's $100. It's more expensive. And with that, it comes with some in-game currency, but it also comes with a special code or a special pass so that when the next title comes out, you can buy that one for $20. It becomes cheap. So you buy 2020, the gold pass for $100. 2021 comes out, you have your code. You buy 2021 for $20. Next year, you can do it again. So long as you buy each year's title, it's only $20 to buy the next year's title. That incentivizes people. You know, and if anybody from take two or EA listens to this podcast and I see this model come out, I have no way of tracking you or figuring out how this is, but I'll am be watching. This is, this is my model and I think this is the best way for them to do it. You get your roster refresh, people are happy to pay $20 and it incentivizes them to keep paying. You can't break the chain. So you get the first one as a gift at some point and you're gonna see a massive uptick in your initial sales, which makes it a lot easier to smooth over the the higher ups when it's like, hey, profits are going to go through the roof. You're going to look great right now. And if you can convince them that it actually won't be a big drop off in profits, which I think is possible. I think there's a lot of people who buy Madden 18, but they don't buy Madden 19 or Madden 20. And if you can get that person continuing to play, push them out to other initiatives, get them to keep spending more money in Ultimate Team. If you only pay $20 for the game, are you more willing to buy Ultimate team packs, I would assume so. So that's it, that's the golden ticket with a way that sports simulation games can be more palatable to a general audience. And I think they'd be pretty successful in it because you have the diehard people who would be happy to jump onto that. And you also have a lot of the casual people. I would love to play the new version of FIFA every year. If it was $20, no problem, but 60 bucks every single year For a game I'm not sure how often I'll play until the next version comes out. It's a tough sell. So that's the golden ticket way that sports simulation games can increase their price and I actually think increase profits and increase eSports viewers. Uh, And if I see it come out there, I'm coming for you. So that's all for this eSports Network podcast. I hope you enjoyed my rant about sports simulation games. I know I went to a lot of different places, so thank you for bearing with me. Uh, We'll be back soon with some other... Great podcasts. I have no idea when they're going to be published. So I won't tease to them now, but I do have some cool things in the works for you. All.